Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. What's going on, citizens? How are you guys? Are you good? Are you ready? Yo, so we were, um, we were sitting over there to, to my left here, and uh, Courtney was reading that text, and I'm pretty sure there was a kid that pooped his pants. So um, welcome to Revelation. Welcome to Revelation. It is going to be crazy. How many of you guys, how many of you have TV shows that you watch on the regular? TV shows? Okay. Sporting events. Anybody? How many of you have a sporting event you watch on the regular? Okay. Anybody into movies? Movies? Okay. All right. Hey, anybody going to see Avengers this weekend? Let's go. That was the loudest you've been all night. That was the loudest you've been all night. Yeah, there's a girl literally crying. I'm not making this up. Look at her. Confirm this. She's crying for infinity. Were you even born when the first Avengers movie came out? Dude, I've been waiting for this for 10 years. I graduated high school and they started this like mega 10-year plan. So I'm going to see that this weekend. Better believe it. Right, Liv? Let's do it. So how many of you know, though, that if you have a TV show that you watch, if there's like a sporting event, if there's a movie that you look forward to watching, who you watch it with is just as important as what you watch, right? How many of you know that, right? Anybody have like a set group of people that you watch your sporting event, you watch your shows with like every time? Anyone? Yep. You're like, I watch The Bachelor and it's always the ladies night, right? Nobody, Never mind. I don't even know what that is, Never mind. okay? I watch a show with my wife. My wife, um, she caught me once. Um, we had a show that we were watching it together, right? Like every night we'd watch an episode together and um, I watched one without her. But she was gone all day. She was at like the baby shower, the bridal shower. She took a shower. I mean, it was just, she was gone. I couldn't help it. I watched the episode, right? And then she found out though, because the next time we went to go play it, it was like, would you like to begin episode five? And she's like, we ended on episode three. And I was like, Let's pray, you know? <laughs> so perhaps you have a group of people that you watch that show with every single time, right? Maybe you have a group of people that are on your never watch something with them list, right? Welcome to my family. I'd like to introduce you to my sister, Jackie. Jackie had this like weird reflex. Like if, if she already had seen an episode, if she had already seen a movie, there was no way she could prevent herself from telling you what was going to happen, right? And so I just started asking my sister, point blank, I just started being like, hey, have you seen this already? She's like, yep. I go, I'm out. <laughs> like, there's no point. And even when she didn't tell you the ending, she would do something like this. Like, she'd be watching, and she's like, I'm not going to say anything. And then, and then she goes, and then she, oh, this is her line, right before something epic happened, and it's like suspenseful, so you're not supposed to know what's going to happen, she goes, dude, watch this, watch this, watch this. What do you think I'm doing, Right? <laughs> I was actually not watching, but now that you say watch it, so I just can't watch things with my sister. My dad, oh, dude, you guys know me. I love football, right? To this day, I will not watch a football game with my dad. You know why I won't watch a football game with my dad? Because my dad has this theory. My dad has this theory that every single NFL game is fixed. Some would say he's a conspiracy theorist. It's super annoying because this theory only ever pops up when his team is losing. <laughs> and he goes, bye, you know, and he, and he walks out and he goes, they're fixed. And I know I should be quiet. I know. I know I should just like let him walk out, be quiet, but I can't stand by in the midst of such ludicrousness. I'm like, it's not fixed, Dad. And he's like, oh, let me tell you. The ending is never in doubt. You, what are the chances that this will happen? I'm telling you from the very beginning, they already know the ending. This is not even a question. They already know the ending. It is fixed. Out. Who said that? Out. 
She just added, she just got herself added to my never watch a football game with list. She just said that. It's fixed. I want you to know something, and I'm saying this on the recording so that the entire world can hear me. I have recently discovered that my dad was right. Shh. I have recently discovered that my dad was right, just not about football. I recently discovered that the ending is fixed. The ending of the story is actually never in doubt. Even though the players are playing, there really is no suspense. There really is no tension because at the end of the day, we already know who wins. And so students, my dad was right. But he wasn't talking about, he wasn't right about football. But when you look at the end of the world, when you look at the end of the story, when you turn to the back of our Bibles, we realize it's fixed. It's fixed. The ending is already determined and it is never in doubt. The reason why John has taken up this pen, the reason why John is beginning to write the book of Revelation is because Christians were being brutally persecuted. We talked about this last week. How many of you were here for the intro to Revelation? You were here, you were here and you heard the new album drop called Overcome by Citizens, right? And as we dropped this new series, we learned a few things. We learned that these Christians are being brutally persecuted simply because they follow Jesus. And if you were to go up to one of them and go, hey, how's the whole living for Jesus thing? They'd go, dude, it's rough out here. If you were to ask them, hey, how is it being a Christian? I heard you got baptized. How's that going? They would look at you and say, bro, this is war. This is war. And friends, it wasn't just in that time. It hasn't changed. If you are a baptized Christian, you believe in Jesus Christ, stand up right now. Stand up. You believe in Jesus. You're a Christian. Stand up. Shh, look at me right now. Look at me. Eyes up front. Look at me. If you're a Christian, I'm happy you've gotten baptized. I'm happy you're in the family. I'm happy you're now learning and you've believed. I'm happy, but listen to me. Look at me, every eye on me. Welcome to the war. Welcome to the conflict. Living for Jesus is the hardest thing you will ever do in your life. This is war. Take a seat. As we looked at the war last week, we saw Satan had two main strategies, okay? Satan was trying to destroy the church. Satan was trying to destroy Christians with two of these strategies. Number one, persecution. He said, man, if I can make this thing hard for them, if I can threaten them with violence, if I could even threaten their very lives, they'll quit. And so number one, he tempted us to quit. But then some people, they did this crazy thing. They like willingly died. Some people were faithful to Christ, even to the point of death. And so Satan goes, huh, maybe, maybe I got to try a different strategy. Maybe I can't simply scare the stupid Christians out of this thing. So maybe what I'll do is I, instead of using persecution, I'll use seduction. Maybe I can convince all these Christians, all these stupid little high school Christians that they can still keep their Jesus with just a little bit more of the world. Maybe I can't scare you out. Maybe I can lure you out. Maybe I can lure you and whisper promises of pleasure in your ear. Maybe I can tell you that that whole Jesus is better thing is such a lie. You don't even know what you're missing. Come this way. And as the Christians in the early church are having persecution and seduction, they're sitting here and they're wondering, will we survive this? Hey, how's living for Jesus? I'm not sure I'm gonna survive. I'm not sure any of us are gonna survive. I'm not sure at this rate, in another 30 years, I'm not even sure that they'll be Christians. Will we survive this? Sam, I'm in high school, man, and I understand what you're saying about the war. My only question is, am I gonna survive this? Sam, I'm going away to college next year, man, and I saw the stats about people keeping their faith. I've seen the stats about the sororities and the fraternities. I've seen the parties. I know, and my only question is, will I survive this? Satan is seeking to destroy me as a Christian. 
Will we survive this? And John, he picks up his pen and he begins to write. And he says, church, I have good news. I've already seen the ending. It's fixed. In the end, we win. Church, I've seen the ending. And in the end, we win. Therefore, overcome. And that's what this series is about. I've seen the ending. So students, overcome. And I'm telling you this, I'm gonna show you something today. For the next few moments, as we break down that text that we saw, I'm gonna show you something that after you see this, you will be more encouraged than you've ever been in your life about living for Jesus. I'm about to show you something that when you see this, you are gonna have more confidence and more strength to follow Jesus than you've ever had before in your life. You wanna see it? Here's what we're gonna see, you ready? This is not for me, this is what John has given us, you ready? He's going to give us two things tonight. Two things that when you see this, you're gonna go, bring it on. That when you see this, you're gonna be singing these songs about overcome and shout his name. You're not gonna be whispering at your locker, Jesus. You're gonna be shouting it. And here's what you're gonna see. Tonight you're gonna see two things. Number one, you're going to see a picture of the future. And number two, you're going to see a message for the present. In this text, you're going to see a picture of the future and you're going to see a message for the present. Do you guys want to see it? For real though, I mean like, do you, I'm about to explode. Do you want to see this? Do you want to get into Revelation? Hey, we could just stop right now and watch Kirk Cameron's Left Behind. We could, you're, <laughs> awesome. Peeper chat, you can go to the private viewing room in the lounge. We have it playing currently. Nonstop, actually, 24-7. Are you guys ready for this? A picture of the future, a message for the present. If you're with me, say, here we go. Here we go. All right. Revelation chapter one, starting in verse four. Check it out. Look what he says. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, a priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. I usually just begin my messages with, what up? <laughs> I usually start my texts out like, hey dude, or bro. John blows it away. John blows any kind of greeting or emoji that you usually begin your correspondence with. He blows it out of the water because he greets them with a powerful truth and encouragement. As he greets these suffering Christians, you have to realize this, friends, all right? Students, you'll understand this. The only thing worse than suffering is suffering when no one knows. The only thing worse than injustice is experiencing injustice and no one sees, right? I'll give you an example. My childhood. <laughs> my mom was crazy. Can I say that? Am I allowed to say that? I'm sorry. My mom had a lot of idiosyncrasies. Uh, she was very quirky, you know? And so there was not a day that would go by that my mom would do something or say something or command something and, I, and it was just nuts to me. And I was just like, are you, I'm gonna be honest here, transparency, this is a safe place, right? I would flip out, right? <laughs> I, was, I was a crazy teenager. I would go crazy, right? And well, the reason I would go crazy is because she would say something and walk away and I'm just like, does nobody see? Are you joking? Do, am I on crazy pills right now? That's how I'd feel. You know when I wouldn't act like that? How many of you know? You know, you know when I would not flip out on my mom? when my friends were over. You know why? 
Because when my mom would do something, she would say something, or, hey, we're not doing this, or hey, change of plans. And I'm just like, as, as soon as I felt myself start to go, are you kidding? I'd look at my friend, and this is what my friends would do, right? I love my friends. They would give me this knowing smile, a little wink, maybe a little nod, and they go, I get you, right? And automatically I'm like, all right, I'm not crazy. And she may be crazy, but, but at least somebody sees me. At least someone sees what I'm experiencing and they can validate me, right? As soon as I would be like, are you, no, does nobody see? They just look at me, they give me the knowing God, like, yeah, I get it. I see you. You're not crazy for going through this. And friends, John greets them the way that he greets them because they're suffering and he wants them to know that people realize that they are suffering. People are seeing them. And he says, student, he says, Christians, where you're at and what you're going through, someone sees you, namely God. God sees you. God is not ignorant of your suffering. As a matter of fact, the whole Trinity sees you. Look what he says here. Look how he breaks it down. The whole Trinity is present. He says, him who is and who was and who is to come. That's God, the Father. How many of you have always been and always will be? False heresy, right? Like, this is God, the Father. And so he's, I'm greeting you from God, the Father. Look who else is here. The seven spirits. How many of you know that there are seven Holy Spirits? No, that is not true. <laughs> heresy. This is the revelation. I didn't know there were seven spirits. That's not a trinity. That's a ninety, right? Like, what is, why is it seven spirits? You guys know this. We already did the numbers last week. We saw how John uses weird symbols and weird numbers. Seven means completion and fullness. In other words, the Holy Spirit who is fully and completely in the presence of the Father. It's not like the little Holy Spirit, the Spirit, seven spirits with God. So we have God the Father, we have God the Spirit, and last but not least, look who else is here. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of all of the earth. Friends, the entire Trinity, they see you. Students, I know when you're trying to live for Jesus in school that it feels like this is the biggest, most real thing. I know your school, I know the conflict, I know the persecution, I know that the leaders of culture want to make you believe that they're actually in control. But John is saying, no, 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 no. Let's zoom out here. The triune God who really rules the universe. He sees you and he's with you. He's giving you this look right now of like, I know. I know what you're going through. And you're not crazy for going through this. No, you're not crazy for laying down your life for me. And it's from them that I can greet you with grace and peace. Students, isn't that encouraging? God sees you. God knows what you're going through. And not only does he see you, he's actually for you. Remember the gospel. He goes on here. To him who loves us. And has freed us. God loves you. He has freed you from your sin. He has freed you from the power of the enemy. And he has made you into a kingdom. Everything that we're experiencing here, everything that you experience in your faith is because God not only sees you, he is also for you. And so what's our response to this? Wow, good to know. Thanks. Hmm, interesting. <gasps> wow. Noted. No, 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 friends. Anytime that we're talking about this beautiful truth, anytime that we see a picture of God and that, he's so, that he sees us, anytime we realize that God is for us, we can't help but say praise to God, right? To him be glory and power and dominion forever and ever. This is doxology. This truth requires praise. And so every week when you come here, guess what? We sing praises. Not because you feel like it, but because he's worthy. And so when you come in and we go, you know what? I'm just not feeling it today, coach. Put another praiser in. You know, I was actually doing some like swimming and, I, and I, my rotator cuff is just tweaked. So I think when you realize who he is, you sing, you praise. We don't do this at youth group. If you're new here to citizens, you'll notice here that we're not, a it's like, wow, look at the band. They are so on point today. Oh my God, did you see that drum fill? 
We're not praising and complimenting the band. They're helping lead us. We are praising God because of this truth. And so that's encouraging that God sees you. But friends, there's more. Not only is it encouraging that he sees you, not only is it encouraging that he has saved you, he wants to encourage you right now with, we talked about it, a picture of the future. Are you ready for the picture of the future? Anybody want me to tell you your future? I can tell you your future right now. Like, isn't this weird? No, no, it's not. It's in the Bible. I'm going to show you right now a picture of the future. He's coming back. Let's look at it. Verse seven. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Here's my favorite part. Even so, amen. We'll get there. I am the alpha and the omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the almighty. This is a picture of the future. And when you look at this picture of the future, you realize the picture of that day looks a lot different than the picture of this day. Okay? The the picture of what you're experiencing as a Christian, as a middle school and high school student, what you are experiencing today looks a lot different than what you're going to experience on that day. Because today, Christians are in conflict. People are laughing as they mercilessly slaughter followers of Jesus. But they won't always be laughing. Right now, people are mocking Christians. Where's your resurrected Christ? I don't see him. Oh, Hannah, she's a follower of Jesus. I don't see him. They're gonna see him real soon. They will see him soon enough. He's coming. And look how he comes, students. Look how he comes. He's coming on the clouds. You're going to have to explain that one. (laughs) The first time he came, he came as a humble baby in a manger, right? He came as just a regular human being. He died a regular human death. But students, the next time he comes, he's coming in all of his splendor and glory. He's riding the clouds. Sick. (laughs) He's riding the clouds. That means he's in charge of it all, right? His throne is not in a city. His chariot is not on horses. He rides the clouds. This is a divine ruler. See, the kings of this earth, they think they can scare you. They think they can intimidate you, but he's the king over all of them. The one who was rejected and killed is now alive and he has supreme authority. And look at the most important part of this verse. Every eye will see him. You know what I call this? Guys, you know what I call this? I call this the uh-oh moment. Everybody say uh-oh. uh-oh. Yeah. You now have, know as many words as like my one-year-old knew a year ago, right? Uh-oh. That's all they're going to be able to say. Do you guys know what the uh-oh moment is? I want you to picture the end of the world. I want you to picture the day that Jesus Christ comes back on the clouds and I want you to picture the faces of everyone who mocked followers of Jesus. I want you to picture their faces, especially those who pierced him especially those who outright rejected him. I want you to picture their faces when they realize that this Jesus guy is actually the ruler of the universe. Everybody say, "Uh uh-oh. Guys, there is a day coming. There is a day coming. In that moment, the world will know they got it wrong about Jesus. Students, the world will realize that they got it wrong when it came to Jesus. In the end, he wins. And when they see him come back, they're going to poop their pants. In the end, when Jesus comes back, they're gonna realize they got it wrong and they're literally going to poop their pants. He says it a little bit different here. He says the earth will wail. Friends, they're gonna cry like babies. You're allowed to laugh because we're on his side. (laughs) I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine that we're on the playground, okay? Imagine you're on a playground, right? And you and your friends are just feeling like big and bad for a little bit. 
you're feeling big and bad and you see a little sixth grader and you go, you know what? We're gonna pick on him just because we can. So you guys go, imagine you and your friends, you're going and you're picking on a sixth grader and you're beating him up and you bury him up to his chest in sand and you kick stuff in his lunchbox, right? And it's all fun and games. Listen, listen, listen. It's all fun and games until you realize who's big brother it is. It's all fun and games until you realize that the varsity quarterback senior at your high school is the big brother of this little sixth grader. And he's coming back. And the big brother's coming back. Some of you seniors are like, well, that wouldn't make a difference because I'm a senior too. You just found out that his big brother is Richard Sherman, right? You just found out, name somebody even worse with like a higher temper, right? You're like, ha ha, sixth grader, yeah. And then he's like, my last name is Sherman. My big brother's name is Dick. He's coming back tonight. Uh-oh. In that moment, guys, in that moment, you will realize that mistakes were made. And so what John is saying here in this picture of the future, listen, listen, what John is saying here, he's saying church, high school students, citizens, be encouraged and take heart because our big brother is coming. Big brother's coming. And oh, by the way, our big brother, he rides the clouds. And oh, by the way, when the world finds out that our big brother is none other than the author of history, the sovereign ruler of the universe, they're going to weep. They're gonna poop their pants. Do you guys get this? Do you understand this picture of the future? They will weep when they see, when they see this picture of the future. And I'll tell you what, High schoolers, watch this. If they haven't pooped their pants yet, they will when they hear a voice that is full of so much authority and power that grown men try to hide on the ground. Look what he says. He opens up his mouth and he says, I am the alpha and the omega who is and who was and who is to come. Alpha and Omega, that's the Greek equivalent of A to Z. He goes, I'm A to Z. I'm in charge of all the moments. I'm here from the first moment to the last moment. I'm in charge of all of it. And they're with me. And then look how savage John is. The world is weeping and pooping their pants. And what does he have to say about this? He doesn't say, come on, Jesus. They didn't know when they pierced you. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me, right? He doesn't go, come on, Jesus. Do you have to be so harsh on them? They only persecuted a few million Christians. He, go, he looks back at the scene of them weeping and wailing. And what does he go? He goes, amen. Oh, <laughs> dude is savage. John goes, hey, you know what? And you have to understand, maybe you're here and you're like, well, this is not politically correct. Jesus is so aggressive. Oh my gosh, he's so violent. Who's he talking to? Shh, there's a lot of talking over here and I love the energy, direct it to my way. Who's he talking to? The reason he's so aggressive is because he's talking to people who are being told by the world, you're on the losing side. He's talking to people who are at the point of death with a knife and they say, give up now and you'll save your life. He's talking to people who are thinking, that they will not survive this. And so of course John is gonna be a little bit of brazen here. Of course John wants to be confident. He wants you to be borderline arrogant because the ending is fixed. And in the end, we win. It's a picture of the future. Hold on, students. Big brother's coming. Hold on, students. We win because Jesus wins. So he not only encourages us, with a picture of the future. Moving on now, we're gonna see that he encourages you with a message for the present, okay? So you can go home now and say, mommy, we, we learned our futures. And then your parents will never bring you back because they think I'm a fortune teller. <laughs> Bummer. Okay. Good thing we record the messages, huh? Okay. 
So here we go. There's a message for the church now. The church is engaged in conflict and he has a message for them. You guys want to see the message? Here we go. I wish he had like, you know, like before movies were like warning. The content that is about to follow may not be suitable for people under 72 years old. And you're like, oh, no one. Okay. Um, there should be a warning here. It's like warning. This is about to be full of glorious stuff that will blow your face away. All right. Basically, it's just obligatory because we're all going to watch it anyway. Here we go. Verse nine. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. I was on the island called Patmos. Everybody say Patmos. Tell me, John, why were you on the island called Patmos? I'm glad you asked. I was there on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So let's pause there, right? John is writing to them as a fellow martyr, okay? He's a witness to the things of Christ. He had the audacity of telling people the good news about Jesus. And they said, okay, well, we're gonna dip you in oil. Oh, wait, that didn't kill him. Let's send him over to that island to work himself to death. Concentration camp, internment camp, call it whatever you want. You can call it, um, what's the one in San Francisco? Alcatraz, ancient Alcatraz. So John is writing to them from this position, okay? And look what he says. He says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. John has a message for these churches in conflict, but look what it says here, okay? We, we realize that he's a partner in the tribulation, and look what he says. He says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Oh, snap. You're like, I don't know what that means. That's because you weren't the original audience. The original audience, when they read this phrase, they were like, oh, he said it. Did you hear what he said? Yo, he said it. This is a common expression that the prophets would use when they were triggering Prophetic revelation's about to come. So Ezekiel's walking through, Ezekiel chapter three, Ezekiel chapter 12, Ezekiel chapter 14, he's walking, and then out of nowhere he goes, whoa, and the spirit brought me up. And everything that follows from that phrase is a word from God. And so when the original audience hears, I was in the spirit on Sunday, right? He's just like throwing that in there. I was on the Lord's day, it was on Sunday. I was in the spirit, and everybody goes, whoa, this is more than bad pizza, Whoa, did you hear what he just said? This is more than just a message from John. This is more than a motivational speech. What is about to follow is a word from God. Students, what is about to follow is not Sam's motivational speech. What's about to follow is not me trying to muster up some encouragement. What's about to follow is a message from your Lord and Savior who loves you and whom you love. You think that you're in high school on your own, but here's your Lord and Savior. Not only does he see you, he has a message from you. And so the cool thing here, this is not a regular letter. This is not just a letter from Paul, a letter from Peter. This is ultimately not even a letter from John. This is Jesus Christ. And so I don't know about you, but my Bible actually has it in red letters because they're showing that this message is authored by Jesus. Students, if you missed this series, oh my gosh, don't miss it. Why would you miss this? This is a message from Jesus Christ. I think the Bible's boring. This is your Lord and Savior talking. He was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Let's go. Which is immediately confirmed by what it says. Write what you see in a book. So here's this loud voice. And he says, write what you see in a book. Okay? Write what you see in a book. Think about this. Write what you see in a book. Meaning what I see, what John sees, he's about to write, which means the message primarily is visual, okay? So what he sees, which is what we're gonna read, is part of the message. Do you understand that? What he sees is the message. Check. All right, John, write what you see in a book. What do you see? John, what do you see? Here we go. John, what do you see? Ask him. What is, ask him. Ask him. You guys are so pathetic. Here we go. John, what do you see? Verse 12. Verse 12. We're moving. Here's a message for the present. Here we go. 
Right, what you see? I heard a loud voice, like trumpets, right? Right, what you see? Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. We'll get to that. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man. Oh my gosh, he's talking about the book of Daniel. I'm giving you the inside, the, like the inside play-by-play of the original audience, right? One like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. Anybody ever go to a waterfall? And then like, you're like, this is so loud. And then you turn and somebody's like, and you're like, you've been talking the whole time? And they're like, what? I can't hear you over the roar of many waterfalls. It's his voice. Look at the last part of the picture. In his right hand, He held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face was like the the sun shining in full strength. Huh? (laughs) What's the message? We're gonna get into the words of the message, right? There will be content, but before we get into the words of the message, what he writes, the scene that he's describing, the picture of the messenger is actually a part of the message, okay? The picture of the messenger is actually a part of the message. And so he gives them this visual, which they've already seen before. This is the second time in the Bible that we see this description. The other one is Daniel 10. They knew what he was talking about. This isn't brand new stuff, okay? They've seen this before and they're like, wait a minute, what are you describing? Can I just calm you down? This is not what Jesus looks like literally. This is what Jesus is like. Remember, we talked about this last week with the symbolism. It is revealing, revelation, apocalyptic vision. It's revealing. Let me show you what Jesus is like. Jesus doesn't have a tongue. He has a sword tongue. You misunderstood me, okay? This is not what Jesus looks like. This is what Jesus is like. So do you want to see what Jesus is like? Do you love Jesus? Let me show you what he's like, all right? He's clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. No, students, this is not a fashion statement. This is directly out of the Old Testament. He's dressed like a, not a king, close. He's dressed like a a priest. The priest, one of the most important guys. Oh my gosh, read your Bible. One of the most important characters, roles in the Old Testament was the priest because they were the only ones that were qualified to go into the presence of God on behalf of the people. Who's Jesus? He's your priest. The only one qualified, sinless, to go and represent you before God. He's wearing a robe. The hairs of his head were white. This dude is the epitome of wisdom. Jesus, you've really grayed off since uh, back on the, on the boat in Galilee, right? He's like, I know, eternity will do that to you. <laughs> no. This is symbolism. He is the epitome of purity and wisdom. Look what else. Guys, you're going to see a lot of heat coming off of Jesus. It's like literal heat, right? He is radiating heat and light. And you know why? Heat purifies. Ladies, how many of you have your ears pierced? Okay, what did the guy, I guess dudes, how many of you have your ears pierced, right? Okay, don't be ashamed, guys, come on. I'd pierce my ears too if I could, but I'd cry like a little baby. So what did the piercer, is that what they call them, a piercer? I don't know. Do they call it like an earring artist? She's like seven, <laughs> you don't even have your ears pierced. I'm what do they call them? The piercer, right? Is that a tattooist? No, you've tattooed your earrings on? She literally tattooed her earrings on, awesome. The, 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 the earring artist, we'll call it. What does the earring artist do before he pierces your ear? How does he clean them? The piercing person. How does the piercing person clean it? He takes the needle and he licks it, right? Oh, he doesn't do that? What does he do? He sterilizes it by putting it under fire. Yes. They burn the needle and then they use the alcohol, right? Listen. Silence! <laughs> Listen. <laughs> I only know the Bible, not what they do in 12-year-old Claire's, right? 
like, you're like, that's not even where you pierce your ears. I'm like, I don't care. I don't. And we're just going to go home now. It's over. Fire purifies, right? And so whenever you see heat in the Bible, whenever you see fire, it represents white, hot purity. And so look at Jesus. His eyes were like a flame of fire. Jesus, this is not just like, oh, I see your sin, wink, wink. No, no, he can't wink, wink, because his eyes are made of burning holy fire, and he searches your hearts for holiness. That's Jesus. He can't wink, wink with burning eyes. He sees your thoughts. He sees your steps. He sees your heart. He sees your actions. And what is Jesus looking for? Holiness, burning, flaming holiness. Look what else. His feet were like burnished bronze. Have you ever seen videos of the way that they heat up gold? and they melt it. Do you know what happens when gold gets so hot or when metal gets so hot? It glows. I have stove tops, right? And it has those little coils. And like, I, you know, if you're like old school, traditional, you have like the flame on the stove top, but you can also have the coils. And the only way that you know that they're on is like every three seconds, they go, and they glow. And it's warning, this is hot. Look at the symbolism. Jesus' feet are so pure, the way that he walks, his righteous path is so holy that it's like his feet are glowing with this blazing hot purity and holiness. Look what else we see about him. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. This is not a baby who's come to die on a cross. This is a warrior who has come to defeat the enemy and he doesn't even need to lift a finger because he conquers with his word. This is Jesus. You guys are so hooked on CGI and AI and artificial and, and uh, what's that called? Uh, uh, virtual VR. And you got all the R's that when you see high def Jesus Christ, some of you aren't even phased. Some of you are seeing Jesus Christ in high def. He's radiating glory and splendor, students. It is so overwhelming. Like right now, if you're like, oh, that's cool. Wrong. Check yourself. This thing is so overwhelming that if you were to see him, look what would happen. If you were to see him, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. If we were to see Jesus Christ for who he really was in his splendor and in his glory, we would bow ourselves down on the floor because we are not worthy. Jesus doesn't need a hello, right? Like if you saw Jesus Christ to you, I'm like, oh, hey, what's up, Jesus? Jesus, right? Hey, look, Jesus is my homeboy. It's on my bracelet. No. If you were to see Jesus for who he really was, you would be overwhelmed by his glory and splendor. And students, do you know why I'm telling you this? Why are we going through this description? This is so pointless. No, it's not. Because what you need in order to persevere is more than just... What you need in order to persevere is more than just squeeze, grind, dig deep. No, no, no. You will have the strength to overcome the conflicts of the world, not by closing your eyes and waiting for it to pass, but by opening your eyes and seeing just how dominant Jesus is. You will have the strength to overcome persecution when you see how dominant and glorious Jesus Christ is. You will have the, the, the strength to stand in this moment when you open your eyes and you realize that Jesus Christ is over all the moments. You will have the confidence to say no to, to, to temptation. You will not be seduced by the allure of sin and compromise. Not when you just close my eyes and I hope it goes away. When you open your eyes and you realize that Jesus is so much better. When you open your eyes and you realize Jesus wins. That's why we go through the description here. Not because we want to be able to answer a Bible trivia game. Not because if you ever find yourself on who wants to be a millionaire and the million dollar question is describe the picture of Jesus in the book of Revelation. Though that would be awesome. And you better share with me because I taught you. It's in the contract. <laughs> Friends, we go over this glorious picture of Jesus Christ because that is where we get confidence. Because the message for the present, the most important part of the message is a picture of the messenger. 
It's a picture of the messenger. And so students, as you look at the, as you, as you look at the, 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 the picture of the future, as you look at the message for the present, why should you fear this war? Why would you quit or compromise? Look at the picture of the future. It's Jesus winning. Why would you fear? Why would you quit or compromise? Look at the message for the present. It's Jesus winning. And then look at the best part of this whole revelation. The best part of these two pieces, we find them in the final two verses. Are you ready to land the plane with me? I know you guys don't want it to be over, right? Like, please, more revelation. Come back next week. We will. Here we go. Last two verses. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And so there's a lot of symbolism here. There's a lot of pictures. And Jesus, you can just picture him laughing as like the audience is like, what is this picture? He goes, I'm gonna give you two of them right off the bat, okay? I'm gonna define two of the symbols for you. Number one, the, the stars. Why am I holding stars in my hand? Well, you have to understand the stars represent the angels who watch over each of the churches. Do you know that there's angels? There are ministering spirits who care for and fight for and watch over every church. Do you know that? The church of Vancouver is being watched over and cared for by spiritual beings. Why are you surprised? This is war. Of course there are spiritual beings. This is spiritual war. Of course there are spiritual soldiers. Our, our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's against powers and principalities. There are angels, okay? That's the stars. And then he holds up the lampstands. And the lampstands simply represent the churches. There's seven of them. He's writing a letter to seven churches. Do you get that? What are the stars? What are the lampstands? Okay. Now that you understand that, here's where we drop the mic. Look where Jesus is. Look where Jesus is. You know what the stars are. You know what the lampstands are. Where is Jesus? Let's play a game of where is Jesus. You ready? Let's look at it. Verse 12 again. Seven stars of the lampstand, or seven stars, angels, lampstands, churches. I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. There are the lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man. Where's Jesus? Right in the middle of the churches. Where are the angels? In his right hand. Jesus Christ is right in the middle of his churches. They're guardians. He's holding them in his hands. He is walking in their midst. Students, he's not giving you a picture and a message like he's your pen pal. Dear followers on earth, good luck. He's not your pen pal. He is right in the midst of us. And so students, here's the big idea. The one who wins is with us. <clears throat> the one who wins is with us. We know that the ending is fixed. We know that for you who overcome, even to the point of death, you will be rewarded with eternal life. We know that. But you know why? You know why I'm confident that our seniors who are going away to college are gonna still be Christians in four years when they come back home and become youth staffers and take you guys to camp? You know why I'm confident that you freshmen right now, you'll still be here in four years living for Jesus? Middle schoolers, you know why I'm confident that those of you who are in sixth grade and this is your first time coming to Citizens, that you're gonna be sitting in that same seat in seven years when we have grad night on the front row? Yes, I'm sure. You know why I'm confident? Because the one who wins is with us. The one that we just saw, the dominant, radiant, glorious Jesus Christ, who will make the whole world poop their pants when they realize that they got it wrong about him, when they realize that they murdered the author of life. It's because the one who wins is with us. <laughs> And I, I, I come to the end of my sermon, I go, well, why didn't he just say that? Why didn't he just say, hey, Jesus Christ is with you, church. 
because this is revelation. This is an apocalyptic vision. So rather than tell you that, I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna tell you visually. I'm gonna, instead of saying Jesus Christ is with you, I'm gonna say, the son of man is walking in the midst of the lampstands. And all the original audience is like, because they know how apocalyptic visions work. Students, are you feeling the conflict? Honestly, are you feeling the conflict? Do you feel like living for Christ is a battle sometimes? Do you feel the tug of persecution? Do you feel the tug of seduction and compromise? Be strengthened. We win. Are you scared? Are you a little bit scared to stand up for your faith? Be courageous. We win. Are you tempted to compromise? Are you already compromised? Confess your sins. Maintain your integrity. He is coming soon and the temporary pleasures of this world will be exposed as hollow and death. We win. Students, the one who wins is with you. And so here's why I want us to respond. This is not a time for quiet introspection. This is not a time for quiet reflection. I want us to be confident. And so the band is gonna come forward right now and what we're gonna do in light of the picture of the future and in light of the message for the present, we're gonna praise and we're gonna sing. And we're gonna sing loudly because we're a confident people. And you know why we're confident? Because the one who wins is with us. The one who wins, he's with us. So I'm confident. Why don't you stand with us to your feet? I'm gonna pray for you. Lord, thank you, God. Thank you for this picture, Lord. Thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would make a group of students, that you would create a community of students who are bold, who are courageous, who are confident, Lord. Not in themselves, not in their own ability, not in their swag. They are confident because the one that they follow is the dominant and radiant Jesus Christ. Lord, give us a bigger picture of you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we can speak boldly as we ought to, God. I pray, Lord, that these students would leave here tonight more in love with you, more uh, 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 amazed and confounded by your glory, and that the rest of our weeks would be lived out in light of that. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this community that we can grow together with. And we praise your name boldly and loudly in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.